This is Outspoken, the podcast that's not afraid to say exactly what you're thinking. Our names are Amy, Kate and Sophie Torber. We're identical triplets, but we often don't have identical opinions. So sometimes things can get heated. Outspoken covers all things reality TV, influencers, entertainment and issues facing women. That is so fetch. Thank you. Welcome back to Outspoken. I'm getting a little bit stressed because we are pre-recording this before we head off on our little weekend holiday to Port Elliot. Bran is in the background packing the car with like kayaks <laughs> and surfboards and I actually have not got my bag packed so we better get through this in a decent amount of time. But anyway, Kate, you have been researching places to eat this weekend and you came across a pretty funny review. Oh, so I came across a place that we're definitely not going to. It's an Italian restaurant and there are a lot of one-star reviews, so I thought I would read them. And I love the fact that the owner jumps in on the bad reviews and sort of claps back at the people. So there was a review that said very underwhelming food. Now, the owner of the restaurant responded, sorry that you were disappointed. I would be disappointed as well if I ordered a linguine without mussels, pippies and prawns with lots of parmesan with a vomiting face. No other comment. You criticize what you ordered, changing our dish completely. If I was downstairs, I would have refused to take your order for such a disgusting plate. That is absolutely hilarious because there's another guy in Adelaide who does this as well, but he actually shares the negative reviews on his Facebook page and then writes his little clap back. And as someone who works in PR, I feel like this is the worst thing you could ever do. Can I just say though, I kind of can see where he's coming from. If you've completely changed a dish and got rid of every you know great ingredient from it of course it's going to taste like shit but i don't think no. you should clap back at his own diner but adding a, a vomit emoji <laughs> like what the hell <laughs> no sophie seriously you need to go read all of them they are so funny because he constantly makes the excuse that he was understaffed and this would never <laughs> normally happen but there's like 25 reviews from the same couple of weeks that say the same thing now just moving on so and kate and i have been debating behind your back whether you are going through a bit of a midlife crisis or should i say whether you're wanting to become a gen Z. oh it's not really behind my back you've said it to my face <laughs> and so is your boyfriend kate apparently i am too old to want to get some extra ear piercings even though this is one of the number one trends at the moment sophie i actually said you should go and get it i don't think yeah, you're you too were supportive old. to be fair it was yeah. kate and reese like, who laughed like in is- my face when i suggested <laughs> I- it I feel like this isn't even a new trend, though. I feel like this has kind of been around for the last year and a half, and it probably does show that you're old because you're trying to jump onto it when it's already been a thing for a while. (laughs) Well, did you know that my favourite shop, Sarah and Sebastian, they are actually doing ear piercing at Mecca at the moment. That's how much it is becoming a basic bitch thing to get all these different ear piercings. So what ear piercing are you wanting to get exactly? Oh, see, I feel even embarrassed talking about it now. Like, I'm burning up feeling embarrassed. I, I don't know. I like just a few more. Like, you know, the one on the earlobe? I think mm. it's called, it's not called the helix. It's the orbital. The earlobe? That's where you normally get your ear. No, not, sorry, like the top of your ear. Oh, okay. But yeah. like, I don't want a hoop or anything. Just like a cute little stud. What about a little S from um, yes. Sarah and Sebastian? That Those are cool. Yeah. My boyfriend thinks I should do it, but Reese, Reese literally laughed in my face. He think I think Reese thinks you're a bit tragic, Sophie, because you know you're turning 33 so in what? March. That's not even old. But I also Mia Freeman's got all her ear art going on. She's got heaps of earrings. She so also got may- temporary tattoos for her 50th birthday. 
love that. <laughs> Do you know who has really cool earrings is a documentary maker, Cherry Healy. I reckon, Sophie, she should be your inspo. She's no, in her 40s. No. no, Millie Court from Love Island is my inspiration at the moment. See, that's, that's what I'm going for. But that's what's making you seem a bit tragic, I think. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> the 22-year-old. Oh, no, she's 24. I actually think we should put up an Instagram poll as to whether Sophie should get this piercing. So go onto our Instagram. It's outspoken underscore the podcast and vote. Are you eating? No, I've got a few. Darling, I'm trying not to eat. I don't want two lunches. But I like doing things for you, Eddie. I'm just chewing spit. Don't waste it. Madison Woolley has defended her midweek long lunches, assuring her followers she does actually work. The influencer made the bold statement following a boozy lunch at a three-hat restaurant. (laughs) Kay, I need to know, what was on the menu for Maddie in her recent vlog? Well, there was quite a lot to list as Madison enjoyed back-to-back extravagant lunches and then dinners in her most recent vlog. So at the three-hat restaurant called Catalina, she enjoyed a three-course meal starting at $130 a head. However, Madison ordered the lobster risotto, which added an additional $80 to the luncheon, bumping up the meal to $210. Of course, this excluded the bottle of wine she enjoyed with her bestie, Caitlin. Now, after coming home in between to unbox some free bikinis, Madison then headed off with a group of girlfriends to an exclusive bar in Darling Harbour called Zephyr for cocktails and food. And the following day, she went out for crab pasta at Bondi with a group of friends and then back out to dinner again that night. Sounds like a pretty good life to me. I mean, she's obviously living her best post-lockdown life. I totally understand that people want to get out and about, you know, after lockdown, but this does seem a little bit extravagant. She has been out for the past two weeks, it seems, every night. Yeah, and I do have to give it to Madison because she has been very consistent with sharing content now that lockdown is over. However, It does seem quite tone deaf because, as you said, over the last couple of weeks, she shared four vlogs documenting everything she's been up to. And like any good influencer, she has been on top of her appointments. So Manny, Petty, Colour and Cut, Lash Extensions. Some eagle-eyed fans have also believed she has gotten lip filler, which I actually did think to myself when I was watching her most recent vlogs. However, Madison did not document this procedure, so we're unsure if she actually has had lip filler or she's just got a really good lip pencil. Let's be honest, though. She is living the absolute dream since getting out of lockdown. She's also enjoyed a staycation at a hotel. And as you said, Kate, back-to-back lunches and dinner sessions at Sydney's best restaurants. In a recent vlog, she also went to a Japanese restaurant where her friend Lexi exclaimed that the edaname beans better be good on the menu because they cost $40. Just to put that into perspective, when I go to Sushi Train, edaname beans are like $3.50. (laughs) Yeah, I... I, one of my favorite lunches that has been documented so far was the extravagant lunch that Madison and also Lexi, who seems to be going to every single lunch as well, they had at Mimi. So they had a full rock lobster as well as enjoying $36 caviar vodka shots, which they licked off their hand. So the, the caviar was kind of put in a line on their hand. It didn't seem very COVID safe to be licking your hand, but hopefully they did sanitize their hands before the never, shot. I have never seen anything like this before. I have never heard of caviar shots. So you, well, you're obviously hanging out at Sushi Train and you're hanging out at these places. <laughs> How the other half live. At one point, though, in the four vlogs, we did see Madison cooking for herself, but I've got to point out that it was a HelloFresh sponsorship. So 
I feel like she had to do it. Now, Madison did have a bit of a revelation in between her first lunch in the most recent vlog. Kate, what did she say? Well, whilst driving home from the lunch, Madison gave what she called a disclaimer. So let's have a listen to what she said. I just have realised that all of my vlogs, my most recent vlogs, have just been very, like, lunches and dinners. And I feel like I haven't really been... Well, I was going to say, I don't really feel like I've been showing my work, but in actual fact, I haven't really been doing, like, this past week. Oh, sorry, my camera's, like, flying around. Um, but since being out of lockdown, obviously, this is bound to happen. Like, me, my friends and I have just been really celebrating, um, I guess, freedom again um, and going out for lunches and stuff. But I just wanted to do, like, a little disclaimer that... Um, even though it may seem like all I'm doing right now is going out for lunches, and I definitely have been going for more lunches during the week. Um, that is not all that is going on behind the scenes. I promise I'm still working. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people probably watch this and be like, wow, she actually does nothing with her days except for go out for lunch, which granted, I recognize I have been doing a lot of, and I'm very, Oh shit. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be able to do that with my job, like the flexibility of my job. Um, but I just wanted to touch on that. Um, I'm still working. Like right now I'm actually going home from lunch to do a couple of hours of work before, oh, before I meet my friends. Um, tonight's Friday night and I'm meeting them in the city for Friday night drinks and I know that these vlogs compared to like the lockdown vlogs and I wasn't really doing much it's just I don't know I don't even know if I need to do this disclaimer I just know people probably have something to say about the fact that I'm just um just going out for a lot of lunches so what did you guys think about Madison's disclaimer I just found this clip so amusing I was so annoyed I wasn't watching it with you guys because there were so many moments I just wanted to touch on I found it so amusing that she was trying to persuade the audience that she was working, but then flat out saying things like, I haven't actually been doing anything. And then the video suddenly cuts. <laughs> yeah. She also mentioned later in the vlog in this car chat that she'd been feeling a bit anxious because she hadn't had enough time spent on her own because she'd been going out so often with her friends. So it was kind of contradicting her first comment yeah. that she'd been at home working. Well, she said it was really taxing and draining to go to lunches all day. Mm, it it did look it did look really hard. I did feel a little bit uncomfortable watching Madison talking whilst driving in her car because she had her camera propped up on the dashboard and it kept sliding around and it was quite clear that her attention was on the camera and not driving. And she had also shown herself drinking at lunch which you know again I'm not saying she was drink driving but that together with putting a focus onto a camera whilst vlogging, I didn't think it was a really good look. And I really don't understand how all these influencers get away with Mm. filming themselves whilst driving and then uploading it. Like why why can't they get in trouble? (laughs) Exactly. And it just it just encourages other people who are watching to do the same sort of things. I mean, I think it's actually more distracting to film yourself in a car than to change music on your phone. Well, do you guys yeah. think, though, that we're being a bit harsh and that Madison should be able to enjoy her freedom in whatever way she likes? Look, I think I, I totally understand that after being in such a long lockdown that you would want to be going out to lunch with your friends. And there's definitely nothing wrong with that. But I think when you're at a point where you're so privileged that you are spending hundreds of dollars on lunches, you're going on shopping sprees, 
you're also going on staycations that you've got to be aware that not everyone is in that fortunate position. There are a lot of people that haven't just bounced out of lockdown in the same financial position, which for Madison is a a very fortunate financial position. And I think that, of course, she can go and do those things. But I think documenting it to the level that she has on her Instagram and also on her YouTube is very tone deaf. And it seems to be rubbing it in the faces of those people that might not have a job. They might be struggling to pay for dinners. And I just thought it really wasn't a very good look at all. The thing is, at the end of the day, I actually do enjoy watching content like that but I'm not watching it going oh that's so fantastic it's more of like oh this is like I can't actually believe this is how people live but I feel Mm. like in this current age it's actually going to alienate a lot of people who follow her because as you said people are going to look at it and go well I'm not as fortunate I can't believe this is how people are spending money straight out of the lockdown yeah and I think there would be a lot of people that were jealous that they can't afford to go to these types of luncheons I think that that's a a normal human response to viewing this type of content. I do also agree that there is an element of escapism when you watch YouTubes like this. So yeah. I think that, that 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 some people will like it because it's something that they don't do and they're getting an insight into that kind of luxurious life. But I think with the pandemic, a lot of people are starting to reassess who they follow and they don't particularly want to be seeing content that is so tone deaf. I think where she went wrong was saying that it was taxing and draining to go to lunches and trying to persuade the audience that behind the scenes she's doing a lot of work when it was quite evident Mm. she wasn't. I think in that situation, just own the fact that you're taking the next couple of weeks Mm. off and actually just call it a holiday. What people dislike is influencers constantly trying to force and tell us how much work they're doing. I think there was a little bit of virtue signaling going on, putting this disclaimer in and saying that she understood how privileged she is because I actually don't think she does understand that she is in the, in that top echelon of privileged people. And I think that it was quite clear because, you know, she was acting like she was rushing around and it was so taxing, as you said, to go to these lunches when some people would kill to be able to go to an expensive restaurant like that for a special occasion, let alone just a midweek lunch. If any of you are looking for any last-minute gift ideas for me, I have one. I like Frank Shirley, my boss, right here tonight. With a big ribbon on his head. And I want to look him straight in the eye, and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no-good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is! Hallelujah! Holy shit! With Christmas on the horizon, Roxy Jasenko's 10-year-old daughter, Pixie Curtis, has revealed her very extravagant Christmas list. Sophie, can you tell us about it? Well, Roxy shared on Instagram her daughter Pixie's wish list for Christmas, and she posted a photo of Pixie holding the very detailed Christmas list, which for the record was a typed printed version. So Roxy wrote, oh good grief, the Christmas list is in and to think I've only just got over the birthday one. Suppose it's a plus we have moved to a typed version. Translation required for some of the items. Now the list included a number of big ticket items like a new phone, a surfboard and jewellery. But for me, it was actually Pixie's description of the presents which caught my attention and made me laugh. So she kept using the word aesthetic, which As someone who works in PR definitely does get thrown around a bit, but you don't expect Mm 10-year-olds to be using the word aesthetic. So she wrote she wanted aesthetic school supplies, stuff for aesthetic things, 
new iPad case that needs to be aesthetic. <laughs> and she also did include some cute smaller items like the Babysitter's Club books, a new pencil case, slime, trendy clothes. And I was also surprised because she also asked for two types of skincare. And I did not know the 10-year-olds are even into skincare. Well, I think if you're Roxy Jasenko's daughter, you would be into skincare. I think she would be exposed to all types of things. And the thing is, I thought, oh, wow, is she using the word aesthetic because Roxy uses it a lot? But when I looked at the comments on the post, there were so many other mothers of 10-year-olds saying, oh, because of TikTok, my children are always using that word, (laughs) which I found really surprising. Do you know what I found surprising was the fact that I didn't actually think that this Christmas list was that demanding because Roxy's obviously very successful. And I mean, an iPhone would be an amazing present for any 10 year old, but it wasn't like she was asking for anything absolutely out of this world. Yeah, that's the thing. I more thought it was the descriptions that were funny. I was also so surprised the Babysitter's Club is still a thing. We read them growing up. I think it's because on one of the streaming platforms, they have the Babysitter's Club on there. I'm all, oh. and there's I think there's Wasn't a there new a version recent- or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think there was a movie recently mm. too, but it it did surprise me because I used to read those. So, are you going to start reading Babysitters Club books now as no, well? I'm not trying to-, to be a child. <laughs> I'm trying to be someone in their twenties, not a child. <laughs> On the topic of the word trendy, I remember that our mum used to use it all the time. So we would as well. And our friend at primary school picked us up on it and said that it's a lame word and we should be using (laughs) stylish or chic. She probably did have a point. It was quite interesting to compare the Christmas list to Pixie's birthday list because I thought there was actually some more outrageous, well, funny items on the birthday list. So for Pixie's birthday, she asked for a new room, skincare, a glass coffee table, fairy lights, new shoes, trendy clothes again, and also a crystal ring light, which she could use to film professional looking videos. Oh, so if and, know- and to top it off, sorry, Amy, a skincare fridge to store her beauty products in. <laughs> so I think that's yeah. actually so cute. I'm I, sorry. I she's, love her. She's adorable. Do you know what's hilarious that she's got the coffee table down? Because remember on Roxy's reality show, everyone went nuts because Roxy gave her kids a coffee in the morning. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, sorry. There is one. There's a few more things I have to add mm. to this list because it will tie in well with my request for earrings. Yeah. Pixie also wants a second ear piercing. Oh. So she's on the same train as me. And a teeth whitening kit, which I don't think kids really should have. I know that you guys are saying it's cute, but to me, I actually felt a little bit sad reading it in terms of her requesting skincare products. Mm. I don't think kids should be having to worry about their skin and their appearance with, you know, teeth whitening and makeup. She wants to be like her mum, though. How many kids see their mum doing stuff and they just want to be the same? Do you think maybe she's going to reveal her own kids' skincare? Is that like maybe what's happening here? Oh, I think we should put that in the bin along with the Instagram for kids. I, I really don't think we should be worrying kids with what their skin looks like. Obviously, they can wash their face, but I think serums should stay for no, adults. I definitely agree. Do you know what? This list reminds me a little bit of our cousin's list because I feel like he's the only other person I know that goes into this much detail. Well, he's 25. Let's just put it out there. It's not a little <laughs> cousin. Yeah, do you know what? It was probably, uh, he was probably asking for a bit more in terms of monetary value <laughs> than Pixie was. I mean, his was a little bit different. It was all stuff relating to his car, but do you guys, are you guys going to do a Christmas list this year or do you feel like you're too old? I'm not going to do, I don't ever do a list as per se. I really struggle to think of things for people to buy for yeah. me. I've actually started a list on my phone, but it's not all for me. Like I put people's names on it and if I think of a good present, I'll jot it down because normally when there's pressure, I can't think of anything. But if something organically pops up 
I'll write it down. It's funny because at my office, we're doing Kris Kringle and we were all joking that none of us wanted to get the bosses. Um, And of course I pulled out the boss. So now I'm having to rack my brains thinking of what he'll want for Christmas, which is really quite hard. Let's hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. I don't think Uh, it's really his stuff. (laughs) You know nothing about the horse. I know nothing about the horse. The Race That Stops a Nation has turned into the event that divides social media. This year, influencers have been forced to back a side when it comes to the Melbourne Cup. Now, Kate, have you noticed a shift in how people perceive the Melbourne Cup this year? Oh, I think particularly this year, there has been a massive shift because I remember when we were in our early 20s, it was such a big event, even living in Adelaide. And lots of people would take the day off work to go to luncheons. And I remember if you didn't have something on, you'd feel like a bit of a loser. And I also remember feeling like I needed to put a bet on, even though I don't really believe in horse racing as well. And I feel like my newsfeed has also totally changed because back then everyone was showing off that they were at a racing event. All the influencers and celebrities had pictures of themselves up at the races. However, this year it was so different. I hardly saw anything about the Melbourne Cup. And if I did see something, it was mostly people saying nup to the cup. I also have to add in, though, I do think it's very much a generational thing because I do think that a lot of the older people are still pro the Melbourne Cup. However, I think that particularly women our age and younger are beginning to not want to go and not want to publicize that Mm. they're going because it's not cool to go to the Melbourne Cup anymore. And obviously a lot of that has to do with the animal welfare side of things. And I do think this shift began back in 2014 when two horses sadly died at the Melbourne Cup because every year since then a horse has died. Fortunately, a horse didn't die this year, which is good news. I think it's really great that we're living in a time when women are so passionate about animal rights and feel in a safe place where they can share about it. And they're not so into wanting to just dress up above everything else because I feel like the Melbourne Cup is a very glamorous event. So the fact that people are turning their backs on it, I think is a good thing. Well, it was actually our queen, Taylor Swift, who has played a bit of a part in this shift in perception about the Melbourne Cup. Because if you recall, in 2019, she was announced to be performing at the Cup And I remember being so excited, trying to book tickets, like, do we go, do we not? But she ended up getting so much flack about this appearance that she ended up cancelling it. Now, she did cite that there was a scheduling conflict, but I really do think this was a PR move because a lot of people were judging her and her integrity for wanting to align herself with an event like the Melbourne Cup because Taylor is so well known for loving her cats and standing up for what she believes in. So people were upset at what they deemed her performing at an event that she should be standing against. So that was, of course, in 2019. And since then, with the pandemic, we haven't actually had a large American performer come to the Melbourne Cup because of travel restrictions. But this year we had Delta Goodrum perform and that was to mixed reviews. Amy, what happened with Delta? So a lot of people bagged Delta out for her performance at the Cup, so much so that she had to turn comments off on an Instagram post she shared about performing at the Melbourne Cup. And you would assume it's because of all of the backlash she received. It is also significant to point out that Delta is a Victoria Racing Club ambassador. I was really surprised to see Delta at the Cup because over the last 18 months with the pandemic, we really have seen a shift in Australians' priorities. 
And with people forced to put the needs of the greater population before their own, I feel like this has really changed the way people judge others' morals and principles. And I feel like people are much more likely to call out privileged people who choose to go to a glamorous event like the Melbourne Cup over their principles. And it appears we're at a point now where we can no longer separate the fashion from the animal welfare. So I think previously people have seen the event as two separate parts. So Mm. there's the glamorous fashion gossipy part of the Melbourne Cup. And then there's, of course, the racing and the horse deaths. However, now everyone is very much forced to choose a side because I feel like our society now since the pandemic is very much all or nothing, particularly when it comes to social media. And it's interesting to note that last year there was an analysis of the Melbourne Cup tweets. And in the top 10 tweets, there was Nup to the Cup, Horse Racing Kills and Animal Cruelty. So I feel like that says a lot about where we are with the Melbourne Cup. Let's go into some of the guests who were there. So as we mentioned earlier, Delta Goodrum was there as an ambassador and also to perform. Love Island's Taylor Demir was also there in an ambassador role, as well as Olivia Rogers, who was hosting for the Victoria Cup Racing Carnival. Some other famous faces included Candice Warner, Aaron Holland, Rob Mills, Olympia Valance, Jessica Rowe, Melissa Leong, Jules and Cam from MAFS, and also Rosalie Russian. I mean, no offence to the people that were listed because we do have to remember that only Victorians could attend with the border closures and there was a cap on numbers. However, we used to see a lot bigger famous faces at the event and I feel like two noticeable absentees were Beck Judd and Nadia Bartel. And it's quite interesting to see what they were up to on the day because Beck Judd hosted a garden party at the Botanical Gardens with a group of famous friends, including Megan Gale, Lana Wilkinson, Jesse Murphy and Hayley Robertson. And Haley shared a post of the long lunch tables decorated in beautiful florals and wrote, who needs the birdcage when you have Beck Judd, hostess with the mostess. Now, Beck didn't disappoint in terms of fashion. She was wearing this amazing feathery blue dress with a blue bejeweled headband. And I have to include the hilarious commentary from her son after she came home from the event. Did you miss me today, Tom? Why? Because you have good hair. You miss me because I have good hair. And beautiful eyes. Oh. And and you're so pretty. I'm pretty. Is that why you miss me? That is just so cute. There is something so special about mothers and sons. (laughs) I just think he was so on point about her hair. Like she has been my (sighs) hair, hair icon for so long. Her son knows where it's at. I've got to point out, though, it's interesting about Beck not being at the races because she has been an ambassador and has always been at the event. And it's hard to tell whether COVID prevented her from attending because you did have to be vaccinated to go to the races. And we don't know what Beck's vaccination status is. She has been very loud and proud about freedom and being against Dan Andrews. So I did find that pretty interesting to think about. Well, as for Beck's bestie, Nadia Bartel, her cup day was very different to her last. So in 2019, she was partying on the dance floor and she left in a helicopter. But this year, Nadia was nowhere near Flemington. Instead, she was poolside. And it's really interesting because Nadia was announced as an ambassador for the Melbourne Cup Carnival on the 3rd of October 2020. However, she has been stripped from the Melbourne Cup website. And I'm assuming it has something to do with the white powder scandal early this year. 
Yeah, well, she lost a lot of her ambassador roles and her partnership with the Melbourne Cup Carnival was one of those. Interestingly, the Victoria Carnival of Racing has partnered with Jessie Murphy for the Spring Racing Carnival instead of Nadia Bartel, and she's there to promote the welfare of racehorses. And for those who don't know, Jessie is a model and wife of former Carlton player Mark Murphy, and she was at Beck's luncheon rather than at the Melbourne Cup, which I didn't quite understand. Mm, That is very strange. Now, what do you guys think about people who go to the Cup? Do you judge them a little bit? I think when it comes to celebrities and influencers who attended, a big part of them working out whether they should attend comes down to their own personal brand. So I feel like for a lot of people that were there, like Olivia Rogers, I think she received quite a bit of backlash because many people didn't think it aligned with her brand. She She's always showing her dog on Instagram. She seems to love animals. She seems to be all about mental health. And while those things don't equate to animal welfare – I do think it was a little bit off-brand for her to be partnering with the Cup. In a way, it's not, though, because she is known for her fashion and that was her role at the Cup was to talk about the fashion. Oh, I'm not saying she shouldn't have been there. And I was going to say, I do remember attending an event uh, in Adelaide for the racing carnival. And she was there and she was also the face of Adelaide's racing carnival. Mm. But I I think that there is an interesting shift in fashion. So I did see that there were, um, I can't remember their name, but there were two big vegan fashion designers. And they said that they have completely boycotted the cup. And there seems to be this trend in the fashion industry that people are no longer promoting race wear because they don't want their brand to be aligned with this event. So I do think we will see models like Olivia Rogers and Jesse Murphy perhaps rethinking their decision to be a face of an event like this. It's such a hard one. It's not cool anymore. It's such a hard one because it's a really good opportunity for these women to be front and centre of a cup carnival like this in terms of the promotion. So many people around the world do tune in. But as you said, I think... With the rise in social media, people are saying we don't like the Melbourne Cup. This is cruel. And I feel like, you know, in the past, as you said, we've been to cup cup celebrations. But now I probably wouldn't attend. I wouldn't feel comfortable. I I do think the shift has been so swift, though. Like I didn't even expect it to be like this this year. So it is hard for those people that are on the other side of it that attended the event that are now copying it. Mm. I don't think we should be sending hate towards those people or judging them at all. On the other hand, do you guys think there's a bit of virtue signaling going on on Instagram regarding the cup? I definitely do agree with that. And not to say it's a bad thing for people to be sharing that messaging, but I do think people's actions need to be in line with the messaging that they do share. It's not to say because I saw a lot of people saying, oh, well, you can't share that if you're not vegan. I definitely don't agree with that. But I do think your actions need to align with what you do moving forward. Yeah, you, you are. You throw your weight around. You are not I the seaweed. You're an insignificant ass here. Instagram is making a play for the Gen Z market after recent survey results revealed teens ranked Instagram as their third favourite social media site below Snapchat and TikTok. There are fears that Instagram will follow Facebook's footsteps, losing touch with the ever-growing younger audience. Amy, can you tell us how seriously Instagram is taking this threat? Yeah, well, this year, Instagram directed the majority of its $390 million marketing budget towards the Gen Z market. So there are concerns that young people will start to leave Instagram a bit like they did with Facebook. So you guys will remember that in 2010, there were signs of Facebook losing appeal with teens, with reports showing fewer young people were signing on. 
And of course, the over 55s were signing on in their droves then. And this led Facebook to purchase Instagram in 2012. And since then, Facebook has been dubbed Boomer Book. So now <laughs> there are fears that Instagram is at risk of being labelled Millennial Gram. I feel personally offended by that term, Millennial Gram. <laughs> I feel like this this whole episode is just going for you so big. <laughs> but, is there a problem with it being a Millennial Gram though? Like why can't we have all our platforms that we choose to We might on? want something separate from Gen Z. The thing is there's I, I suppose it's because if you look at it from a marketing perspective, everybody wants to market to teens and they want to have that general flow where the teens will continue to use Instagram. So, so if you mentioned that Snapchat and TikTok were ranked as the two most popular social media platforms above Instagram, I'm really interested to know which one was number one. I thought for sure it was going to be TikTok, but surprisingly, Snapchat was ranked the most popular app. So 34% of teens said that Snapchat was their favorite social media platform and 30% said they preferred TikTok and 22% said Instagram was their favorite. Now, I reckon Snapchat is the most popular because I think there'd be a lot of teenagers who like the fact that it's secretive. You're kind Mm. of somewhat, not anonymous on there, but you know, you're not putting out something to get dragged down. It's just really about. It's your friends. Also at the same time, while I think a lot of young kids love TikTok, I don't actually think that they like creating their own content for it. Yeah. Yeah. There was a report I remember a few months ago that said that the reason kids really like Snapchat is because they are kind of reverting back to becoming a bit more private. They don't think it's as cool to share all these details about yourself. Well, also their parents can't see what they're posting either. Yeah. Do you think this means that TikTok might not have the longevity that we all think it will and that younger people are going to go against sharing things online and we might see the likes of TikTok and Instagram only being used by content creators. So it's a bit more of an entertainment platform as opposed to a social media platform where people are sharing their own content. I think there's always going to be people who want to share and they see an opportunity to promote themselves online. Well, as I think, as you touched on, Kate, I think that people may start seeing these platforms as purely something to make money on and something that entertainers use. Now, Amy, how is Instagram making a play at the teen market? Well, in September this year, Instagram announced the next chapter in Instagram's brand story. So its campaign is called the Yours to Make, and it aims to showcase how you can explore who you are with Instagram. So they used hip-hop artist Topaz Jones, makeup artist Madronna Redhawk, and digital creator Justin Yee in their video campaigns. And I feel like this is a great start because I have no idea who any of these people are. So obviously, it's they're aiming this at a Gen Z market. So this week in the UK, Instagram is set to launch an installation at London's Saatchi Gallery and it will consist of motion art installations and it's said to portray a digital portrait of British British youth culture through Instagram Reels. So 50 Gen Z creators have been picked and Instagram is also inviting users to submit Reels about their own journey of self-discovery using the hashtag yours to make. I don't get it. So how how are young kids exploring themselves? What, they're just making videos about themselves? Yeah, that are going to be played at this art gallery. Sorry, but I don't really think the teenagers are going to do this. I think that, as we said, as we touched on with the fact that Snapchat is their most favorite social media app, they're not going to want to put themselves out like that. Can you imagine as a teenager at our school making a reel of self-exploration? But also, I think they really missed the mark with this marketing campaign because... 
what Gen Zer goes to the art gallery? It just seems extremely it's a very weird. artsy Gen Zer, isn't it? I think it's very try hard. It's similar to the Pandora campaign that we discussed a couple of weeks ago. It seems like they've just Googled like what do Gen Zers like? And they've taken it again too literally about this self discovery and and you know, I, I think it's gonna be a bit of a flop to yeah, be honest. Exactly. And on the topic of Instagram, this week the Business Insider revealed just how much money the app is offering influencers as incentives for sharing reels. So this is obviously another attempt to challenge the popularity of TikTok. So according to the publication, influencers can make between $500 to $35,000 for simply sharing reels. So do you mean that Instagram is paying them to share them? Yeah. So firstly, in order to make money, you actually need to be granted access to this bonus program. So not everybody can just make money. So this program was actually launched in July this year. And in order to make something like $35,000, you have to be getting a lot of views on your reels. So in order to get that, they've said you need around 58 million views on your reels in one month. Wait, is that, a, is that a, an accumulative? 50? Yeah. On all your reels. So this is the first time a social media app has actually paid influencers or incentivized them to post. That clearly shows that Facebook and Instagram know how integral influencers are to their longevity, which is really interesting because a couple of years ago when, when they got rid of likes and we thought that they were trying to eliminate influencers from the platform, but now it seems like they are trying to keep them happy. It's a bit of a chicken or the egg, though, because influencers need Instagram just as much as Instagram needs them. They do have the option to go across to TikTok. However, they're starting from scratch again in terms of followers and the content is very different. I think you have to put a lot more effort into TikTok content than you do for Instagram. I think this is all pretty interesting when you also think about all the negative press Instagram has gotten recently about trying to launch a kid's version of their app, which has been put on pause after the backlash they received. Well, a spokesperson for Instagram said that the goal here is to help as many emerging creators make money in the long run. In general, we work on personalized bonuses. The amount of bonuses and the number of plays allows creators to make meaningful money in an achievable and transparent way. Do you guys believe that they really really want to help influencers make money or is it that they're trying to keep them and their audience on the app 100% this is not about making money for the creators it is about staying relevant with young people well I think that's all we have time for today thank you so much for joining us for this episode if you have enjoyed it could you please make sure that you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify and if you can can you please leave us a five star review and if you want to join in on the conversation head over to our Facebook community which is Outspoken the podcast community